This is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach. And today I am delighted to welcome Joe Miller to the show. Joe is going to talk about how to avoid career derailing missteps to become a woman of influence. Joe, welcome to the show. I'm thrilled that you're with me today. Hey, it's a pleasure speaking with you, Caroline. So Joe, you are certainly a renowned authority on women's leadership and you are a woman of influence, but I'd love to know what inspired you to write this book? Well, from one woman of influence to another, <laughs> I would say first up, this is the, the book that my younger, less career savvy self could not find for love or money when I hit some roadblocks early on in my own career. Um, but it was really a, a conversation I had about a decade with a young woman who was just starting out in her career and got stuck in a, a role that downplayed her potential and a conversation that we had where I asked her, you know, what's going on? and what personal brand are you known for today? And she shared with me that she felt she would, she, she'd been um, stuck in the role of being perceived as the pooper scooper, you know, the one that was oh, yeah. there to kind of shovel the low-level yeah. tasks and, and clean up the little messes that more, the more senior team members didn't want to have to bother with. And meanwhile, she had all of this, you know, passion and potential and, um, and leadership strengths that were going under-leveraged and under-recognized. And so it was in that conversation conversation where we took a look together at the the leadership strengths, the raw leadership potential she had to work with and started to look at ways that she could rebrand herself and and upshift her personal brand into more of a leadership brand from from pooper scooper to change agent was her evolution. And it just got me thinking, wow, that there must be other women out there who could use some, you know, some guidance and, and some help so that they don't go unrecognized. You know, I'd love that you said you wish that you had written this earlier in your career. So in a space of candor and vulnerability, was there a moment in your career where you thought, gosh, what, you know, what is my brand? What is what is my future legacy? You know, my situation was um, perhaps a little different than the the pooper scooper lady in that I was someone who perhaps lacked some career savvy, but had this real driving ambition to advance, but not necessarily the polish to back it up. And so I was thrown into a situation where I was offered exactly the role that I had campaigned for, but in that moment realized hey, you know, maybe I'm not necessarily a people leader and actually turned down the role and, and said no to it, even though it had been my driving aspiration. And that got me thinking that, you know, I wanted to be a leader, but I didn't kind of fit the mold of a people developer and someone who builds teams and builds organizations. So it started me down the path of thinking, well, what type of leader was I? And so you know, all these years later now, I've come to see that there's definitely more than one type of leader. And one of the best gifts that we can give ourselves, one of the greatest favors we can do for ourselves is to understand what type of leader we are and start to build a career that's centered around those leaders strength. So I wasn't a people leader. I'm more of a thought leader style, but there are also change leaders and results leaders and service leaders. And I think if you can understand the type of leader you are, it's a great basis from which to really grow in your career. 
And, you know, I love that about the book too, because it gives each woman who reads it permission to be authentic and comfortable in her own leadership shoes. Because as you've said, there is no one size fits all. Yeah, that's right. I think, you know, often often we get so bound up and, and focused on trying to fix our weaknesses that we forget to nurture our strengths. And so uh, I, th- I think if we can start by understanding, you know, that we are all already leaders, we just need to figure out what our leadership strengths are. We can start to own those strengths and build on those strengths rather than invest all our time and focus on trying to overcome or fix a weakness. You know, one of the things I love about this book, and by the way, Joe, I'm gifting it to all my women leader friends. I absolutely love it. It is so proactive and action-packed. So my favorite chapter, True Confession, is chapter five, Get Your Shift Together, Shift Your Mindset from Doing to Leading. And I'd love for you to unpack that just a little bit. You know, we're going to whet the appetite of our global audience because so many people talk about what they want to do, but they don't actually put it into practice. You know, I I think one of the the trickiest pivots that we make in our careers that shift from doing to leading um, because all of the strengths and the skills and competencies that have got us to where we are today aren't necessarily the ones that are going to propel us forward to that next leadership level. And so in many ways, we need to unlearn many of the strengths that got us to where we are and build new leadership strengths in order to step up and lead and make an even greater impact. So it's it's that old adage of what got me here won't get me there. And right. so that chapter, chapter five, um, and yes, it is called Get Your Shift Together, <laughs> Five Ways to Shift from Doing to Leading, is about five key shifts um, that I want readers to consider and, you know, possibly narrow in on the one that's going, going to make the biggest impact for them in the next year. But it's shifts like moving from being more of a tactician to being a strategist, from being someone who is a doer, doing the work to stepping back and delegating. So from doing to delegating, another of the shifts is from optimizer to transformer. So, Mm. you know, nothing wrong with being an optimizer, but it means someone who's focused on optimizing the role or task or process that's immediately in front of them, making it the best it can be versus thinking like a transformational change leader. And then another of the shifts is going from being an, an order taker to being more of a risk taker and a rule breaker. And so what I challenge readers to think about is, you know, which is the shift that's going to make the biggest impact for them and their impact as a leader in the next year, if they can shift their mindset, but also their behavior. As I like to say, you know, what will you do to go and make shift happen? Yeah, <laughs> I absolutely love that. You know, I, as a coach, a fellow coach, I, I appreciate your focus on playing to one's strengths and focusing on the positivity. However, you're really clear, and, and I appreciate this candor. You talk about 12 common career derailing missteps that even the most streetwise and savvy leaders can make because the truth is we're not always tuned in to our blind spots. So pick one or two and unpack those for us if you would. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the one that that we just chatted about just now was misstep number six, acting like a doer instead of a leader. And of course, each misstep is paired with a leaderly move to make instead. And so the answer to that would be shifting your mindset from me, being focused on yourself and your own performance and your own success 
to shifting to we. So the shift from me to we now being focused on, uh, you know, the performance and the success and the growth and development of everyone around you. Um, It's the idea of being uh, not necessarily wanting to be the smartest in the room, which I think we all start out, you know, thinking is the key, but rather being someone who's there to make the room smarter. So that's certainly a favorite, uh, misstep number five. Uh, And Oh, actually, no, misstep number six was that one. Um, Misstep number five, though, is another key favorite of mine. It's um, when you get stuck with a dead-end brand, like the Pooper Scooper lady that I mentioned at the outset of our show. Um, You know, what often happens is we get stuck with a personal brand, which downplays what we're really capable of, and it kind of backs us into a corner. And you'll know that you've made this misstep if people keep coming to you with the types of roles or opportunities or requests that are exactly the type of thing you were super excited to, to do a couple of years ago, but now you feel, come on, people, I've evolved. Can't anyone see that I'm capable of so much more? And so rather than getting stuck in a dead-end brand, which is that misstep, the literally move to make instead is to make your personal brand scalable right? So you wouldn't want to go to work for a business that wasn't able to scale and grow. And you also wouldn't want to get stuck with a personal brand that couldn't scale up to become more of a leadership brand at some point. Oh, I love that. And I I speak with so many women who have been in the same organization for multiple years and their brand just gets dusty, right? And it's old because it was something that they came in and developed. But as you said, it's time for a refresh and, and a scale. So I love that. Love that. Joe, we'll be right back after a quick break. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to know more about. We want this podcast to serve all of your working life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedoubthiggins.com. So you speak a lot about leadership superpowers in the book and how everyone has one. So let us in. How can we discover what our leadership superpower is? Right. And let's be clear, your leadership strengths are not the same as your leadership superpowers. We we all have leadership strengths, you know, our own signature leadership style. And yet what I refer to in the book as your superpower is the coming together of those strengths. And, and two other elements. So in order to really have a thriving and sustainable and very successful career, you can't just do work that plays to your strengths. You've also got to do work that you're passionate about, you know, the stuff that gets you fired up and excited and inspired to come and and to keep going even, you know, when things get tough. And of course they, they will get tough. And so the idea the idea is to kind of to to find that harmony point between your leadership strengths and work that you find that that, that fuels your passions. But there's one third element that really makes it a career proposition, and and it's to understand what your organization or industry or customer base, if you're in business for yourself, what people really need and want and value. Because if you try to build a career around just your strengths and your passions, you might not have a career. You might 
um, have an expensive hobby instead. And I don't want that for anyone. No one wants that for you. You don't, you definitely don't want that for yourself. And so when you have all three elements in harmony, your strengths align with work you're passionate about, but also where you're delivering something of incredible value to your constituency or your organization. That's what I call your superpower. And I think if you can maneuver into a role or a career path where where you get to operate that in that sweet spot every day, um, you'll have an amazing time and an amazing career. And so early on, I really encourage people to figure out what is that superpower for themselves. But once you understand your own, don't stop there. Be the type of leader that's developing other leaders by helping others identify their superpower, where their strengths align with their passions and their value. And then even going from there, you can start to become the type of person who's building teams or organizations where everyone's in their own zone. And then the the organization as a whole is also living its superpower too. So how about for those who are listening that say, okay, I I get this fundamentally, I understand, but perhaps they don't have a great leader to whom they report who can help them unpack their superpower and help groom and develop them as a leader. What do you suggest for those women and men listening? How, How do they really tune in to what their superpower is and how do they find that wisdom if it's not available in their direct leader? You know, we're all lucky if we have that one great leader or mentor who helps us understand ourselves, uh, ourselves better and cultivate those strengths. But, you know, some of us don't even have that at, at, at any time in our career. And so, you know, one thing you can do is just the process of introspection, kind of sit down with the model and work through what are my strengths you know, what fires me up and lights me up and what do I, what do I love to do in my work? And then where can I provide something that's, you know, that has me be really sought after. Um, And so through a process of introspection, you can come there on your own. I will say that that concept is one of the, the toughest ones in the book to figure out. And if anyone's struggling, I just say, look, outsource it to people who know you well, because you're best friend at work or your trusted colleague or your mentor or manager or even your life partner may already know this. So so walk them through the model and just say, hey, what do you think my superpower is? Because chances are they've seen it and they know it. They just didn't think it was important to tell you about it. Very good. Very good. And that self-reflection piece is so important. And again, hearkening back to the book, it really is a guide, a step-by-step guide to, to help you unpack that process and, and, and think about what's important. You've got nine steps, right? To build your brand, establish your legacy and thrive. So you mentioned something earlier that I want to hearken back to talking about passion, right? How many times do we hear, find your passion and it'll never feel like work, but you and I are in agreement and you write about this so beautifully that passion is more nuanced. So walk us through that. Why is that important to understand? Yeah, it, it is. And it is important. So one study examined what it is that makes work not feel like 
work and they discovered that 87% of the US workforce are contributing less than, than they possibly could, than their full potential, because they lack passion for what they do. And so it certainly plays a really critical role in our ability to, you know, deliver and perform and, and make an impact in our roles and, and as leaders. And yet I, I think we've all been sold this frankly it's a myth this idea that we all have one grand enduring pre-programmed passion for a specific area and that's actually been debunked by um, researchers at Yale and at Stanford and what they found instead is that um, you know you can certainly try to go all in to discover one deep abiding intrinsic passion um, but it's actually more realistic and, and more doable to develop passion for something that you find enjoyment in. So, you know, you don't, you don't have to go discover your passion or, or, or wait to find, you know, that one grand area of passion. You can just start to dive in and dabble and develop it out of things that you feel drawn to. And so really, instead of finding your passion, it's about developing passion for something that you find interesting, but you've got to work at it, persist with it and grow into it. Beautifully put. I love that because I think passion can be, uh fearful for some women to think, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm passionate about, but starting with interest, right? And then building from there, beautifully put. So I love on the back of the book cover, it says, reinvent yourself as a woman of influence and become the leader you were meant to be. And that spoke to me, Joe, because it, it tells me that our leadership is a continuous journey. And even if we are in a, in a leadership role or we're an emerging or an aspiring leader, we have to work at it and, and grow and develop it and cultivate it over time. So talk to me about our brand and how we can grow our brand and evolve in our brand from where we are to where we want to go. So I, what, after identifying your, your personal brand, some steps to take next are uh, to understand how might that best manifest in, in the work that you're doing every day. And one of the things that I, I love to talk about is the concept of a career-defining moment because, you know, there, there are moments that can create real turning points or big leaps forward in our career trajectory. And so once you understand, you know, that leadership superpower, um, where your strengths, passions and value come together, um, come up with a short, succinct personal brand statement, or, or even better than that, a leadership brand statement, um, which comes from really coming up with a kind of like a catchphrase or a, a you know, a short phrase that describes to the world who you want to be known for, because our, our personal brand is what people say about us when we're not in the room. And most people have a brand by default. Um, very few people have a brand by design, but you really need to if you want to own the narrative, own the trajectory of your career. And so once you know that brand statement, and I think the, the book will walk you through the steps to get there, as well as give you uh, hundreds of examples of what they look like. Um, Look for career-defining opportunities where you get to deliver some type of result or impact 
that aligns with your brand and showcases it, but also shows the caliber of results that you deliver to your organization. Now, what often happens is we get an exciting opportunity and we feel, wow, I, you know, I better say yes, or this opportunity might go away, or the person offering it to us is someone we trust and respect, you know, like a great leader or a great mentor. And we feel like, ah, oh, it's not quite the right fit. I better just say yes. And, and in doing so, we tend to dilute our brand. And so in the book, I really encourage people to be, you know, fairly forthright about going after and saying yes to those opportunities that really can become a career defining moment by aligning with your brand and, and clearly showing the results that you deliver and, you know, being willing to step back and negotiate or say no when you're offered an opportunity that isn't it for you. Well put. Joe, as we wrap up, I'd love to get your take on building and stewarding your personal board of directors or your professional posse, as you call it. You and I know how important those influencers are in our respective professional lives, but so many women listening and men are are concerned. You know, how do I cultivate that inner circle of advisors and advocates? Yeah, look, I look... yeah, look, Carolyn, I know that having a, a personal board of directors or a professional posse is something that you're really passionate about too. My take on this is that there are five types of people that you really need in your network for it to be more than just a random collection of human beings and to be a truly supportive and influential network of people who can help you blossom in your career. Um, So the five start with the connector. And of course, the connector is that people person who loves to make connections and bring people together. And so if you're looking to expand your personal board of directors or your professional network, start by looking for a connector who loves to bring people together, loves to make introductions and can help you start to find the next person and the next person. Um, Second person to include is the informational powerhouse, which is the person who keeps a finger on the pulse of what's going on um, in your organization or in the broader business environment. They just seem to know about new developments before others do. And so having that informational powerhouse in your posse can be incredibly valuable anytime you need to make a decision or you just want to run something by them because they see that fuller picture of information. Then, of course, there's the influencer who will back you up when you're trying to influence or lead something or move it forward. And so having that that you know, senior leader or that well-respected, influential individual to nod in agreement and to you know give you the green light can really move your ideas and initiatives forward. Then, of course, there's the mentor, and I think everyone knows what a mentor is and does. That wide, wise, trusted guide who takes us under our wing and helps us grow um, in our skills and develop as leaders. But the fifth and final person is the sponsor. And I think, you know, we don't always think about the the different role that a sponsor can play. You know, we know that mentors help us skill up, but sponsors can help us move up. So when a mentor talks with you, a sponsor will talk about you. And so understanding how to attract the advocacy of those influential sponsors can truly be a career game changer. 
Fantastic. Joe, thank you so much. I always learn so much from you. I love, love, love the new book. Let me tell our global audience. The title is called Woman of Influence, Nine Steps to Build Your Brand, Establish Your Legacy, and Thrive. And Joe, I know the book is available on Amazon and major book retailers, but I also so value that you are a supporter of independent booksellers. And you were sharing with me before the show that any of our global audience can walk into an independent bookstore and order your book. So I hope they do so. We need to support our independent booksellers. That is great news to share. Joe, I wish you continued success with the book, and I hope you'll come back and see me again sometime soon. I hope so too. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. And if you like our show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud, and even better, leave a review because this helps new audience members find us online. And let me know what career-minded issues you would like for me to feature on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.